Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tramel Gomes, reporting from the Florida Capitol, as Governor DeSantis is set to convene a special session to block vaccine mandates. We're going to be saving a lot of jobs in the state of Florida. We're going to be striking a blow for freedom. Also, at first glance, it appears the Florida Senate's own redistricting maps are not as gerrymandered as some feared it would be. Congressional map especially is that this is a very fair map, a map that was drawn just with respect to the population and demographic change. Today's Sunrise interview is with Matthew Isbell, a Democratic-aligned data consultant who has analyzed the first look of the staff-prepared maps of the Senate Reapportionment Committee. He shares all of his hot takes, including which elected officials are in the hot seat or could be without a seat. We've got all that, including other top stories trending around the state and capital. Plus, we have your calendar of political events and so much more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. The following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Everyone loves a win-win, and if you're a fan of sports betting, you can win-win too. Billions of dollars for education, legal sports betting for you. We're Florida Education Champions and our petition brings competition and choice to legal sports betting in Florida and gives all the tax revenue to public education. That's a win for you and our kids. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at floridaeducationchampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, November 15th. Today is National Raisin Bran Cereal Day, America Recycles Day, and it's World Tremel Gomes Day. Oh yes, I've long declared it and I'll leave you all to guess why. On this day in 1937, in the U.S. Capitol, members of the House and Senate met in air-conditioned chambers for the first time. Florida's special session to block COVID-19 vaccine mandates, among other things, begins today. From the very beginning, you know, we said, let's not put people down, let's lift people up. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Governor Ron DeSantis called the special session on October 21st to ban mandates being pursued by the Biden administration. Lawmakers will be considering four bills that would increase the fines for businesses, local governments, and other companies that require workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19, as well as schools that require mask wearing. We're going to be saving a lot of jobs in the state of Florida. We're going to be striking a blow for freedom. DeSantis has been aggressive in his fight against the Biden administration and vaccine mandates, but he's had to dial back some of his harshest penalties against those defying his wishes. Business groups are slowly starting to push back publicly. A statewide nursing home association said the legislature should consider altering the proposal, House Bill 1 and Senate Bill 2, to carve long-term care providers out of the vaccine mandate. In a statement Friday, Leading Age Florida CEO Steve Ballmer said nursing homes must comply with Centers for Medicare and Medicaid rules that require staff at healthcare facilities that accept Medicare and Medicaid to be vaccinated as a condition of receiving federal healthcare dollars. Meanwhile, the National Federation of Independent Business Florida issued a statement Friday saying it wanted the legislature to include in the bills a clear-cut definition of what constitutes a business vaccine mandate. But the show must go on for the governor, and that begins 
today. We're going to be standing up against the Biden mandates, and we're going to be better as a result of it. To keep up on all the action, head over to floridapolitics.com. After all the buildup and the ongoing mystery with Florida's redistricting process, the Senate Reapportionment Committee staff published its first draft maps last week, with four proposed maps for Florida's 28 congressional districts and four for the Florida Senate. So I called up some of the folks combing through the details for their take. Joining us in this Sunrise interview is Matthew Isbell a Democratic-aligned data consultant. So my big takeaway from the congressional map especially is that this is a very fair map, a map that was drawn just with respect to the population and demographic change happening in different regions of the state. It isn't drawn, as best I see, to give any party a major advantage. and really kind of gives both Republicans and Democrats um, seats that they can both win or they have to defend. And it, it creates several competitive districts in both South Florida and in the Central Florida region. I know for those monitoring the process, Fair Districts Now folks, they've been calling and asking for people to have a say or even have questions about these maps that you say seems to be pretty fairly drawn. What questions would you have if you had the opportunity to ask the people in charge of the process? You know, I'd say if anything, the biggest question I have um, would relate more to areas around South Florida. There are questions about why Frederica Wilson's district, which is majority African-American, seems to just grab the entire coastline of Miami and Miami Beach instead of normally um, an area like the 27th Maria Salazar's district has tended to represent the entire coastal community of Miami-Dade. There are certainly issues like that where it seems like some what I guess you would call historic like districts are sort of kind of coming to an end districts that broadly represented a specific community for decades. They're kind of rearranging a lot of that. And some of that rearrangement I'm sure is inevitable due to population changes and demographic change, but yeah, without any public comments or any sort of detailed explanations, at least yet, we're kind of left in the dark about their reasoning behind different changes. And we might get some more of that. That is an example. And there are other examples in the map where you think the staff would have had the benefit of hearing from locals and sort of getting a localized explanation for why a line should or shouldn't go along this community or into this city. These are all fairly minor complaints. I'd say nothing stands out as especially bad, but there are definitely, I feel, some some ways the map could be improved with some local just nip and tucks here or there. Yeah, indeed. Absent that, so far from what you've seen, who is sweating bullets right now? You know, it's interesting. Um, right now, I would say that none of the incumbents are put at a severe disadvantage by any of their districts. In fact, if anything, multiple um, elected officials have a sigh of relief to, to, to breathe, at least especially in terms of they weren't target, targeted for gerrymandering. Like Stephanie Murphy in the 7th District 
she was, I think, originally projected to like that the Republicans would likely try to gerrymander, rearrange her district. But instead, her district has largely remained the same, which is completely good for her. The congressperson that might be fa- facing the most pressure under the new map is um, going to be Daniel Webster in the 11th district. His seat hasn't changed a tremendous amount compared to the last redistricting process, but he already now represents an area which is sort of based around Lake Sumter and Citrus County. It's an area that was already a little bit out of political base he originally got elected to back in 2010, which was more based out of Lake and Orange County. Um, So he already represents an area that he's less known in long-term but now he's likely to have a primary challenger, although this isn't confirmed yet. The, the person in question could change their mind. But state rep Anthony Sabatini, who's a very far right state representative, has basically made it clear he intends to run for Congress. He's already filed. And while originally I think the idea was that he would run against Stephanie Murphy in a newly gerrymandered district, since that gerrymander has not happened, He's more likely to run against Webster in a primary in the 11th, which could be a very contentious primary. And I think that's probably the most the most vicious primary we'll have. So on the state maps, the seats there, anything that sticks out of concern or or, um, putting people in precarious situations? The state Senate map definitely has incidents where different incumbents or different potential candidates have been put in a worse position, but that is very much driven by the population changes that have been happening in the state. And since um, Florida couldn't gain any state Senate districts, a lot more had to get rearranged. And specifically, the biggest situation is in Southeast Florida, where the Palm Beach, Broward County, Miami-Dade region, they were going to lose a state Senator just because of how the population changes have been moving around. So somebody was basically going to be left on the cutting room floor and either have to run in a member versus member race or not run at all. And that definitely seems to be what has occurred. Um, they, the whole area essentially lost the state Senate district. And among the Democratic members running, who are really the ones who have to play musical chairs and figure out who's going to go where they're basically short a district. And right now everybody has declared for what seat they're going to run for under the proposal, except for Senator Gary Farmer, um, who basically has an option to run against either incumbent members in two different districts. I don't know if he is going to opt to run against Jason Pizzo in the 38th, Tina Polsky in the 34th, or even make a run in a different district. But he right now is sitting there. His district kind of got cut up and cut in half um, because of the way the population was changing. So he has to decide where he's going to run because apparently he's also moving too. So I guess he could move into a different seat. Just to get your thoughts on Alcee Hastings seat and the outcome of that election there, (laughs) were you surprised at all to see so many members of the legislature that jumped into this race and none of them prevailed? 
Um, yeah, none of them prevailed, and none of them even came close. Um, yeah, especially the state reps. I guess I should say the county commissioners did better. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a very fascinating race. What we had at the end of the day, we had two candidates who came in first and second, who both I think made it into that you know narrow recount territory for very different reasons. So Dale Holness is who is now apparently lost the primary by just five votes now that all the voting is done. I wasn't surprised when he went, when he got so close, it was actually my, my bet that who was going to win. He was somebody who had such a strong ground game in the central Broward region where his County commission district is. He's been very, very popular in the Jamaican community. He's Jamaican himself. And that's always been a major block of votes for him. It helped him win his, commission district and hold it for so long and those voters really came through for him he almost won based entirely off of dominating around his commission district but then the eventual winner mccormick she is coming in there having self-funded a tremendous amount of money and spending very early on the radio tv mail, yard signs, just like bombarding the district and self-funding money. I think the the comments are about three million or so, two to three million. That just blanket throwing money at the wall, I feel, really worked and basically dragged her up to 20, you know, four or so percent in the primary. Um and specifically her ability to really rack up a huge score of the vote in Palm Beach County, which is only about a quarter of the vote cast, but she dominated in Palm Beach, easily got 30% up there, and Dale Holness came in fourth. So that's how Dale Holness was able to do well in Broward, rack up score in his area, but then still falter. And then the other state reps that were running, like basically Perry Thurston, Bobby DeBose, Hardy, they all just got kind of put on the sidelines by these other races, by these other candidates. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad to talk with you. Special thanks to Matthew Isbell for sharing his takes on the Senate's version of the redistricting maps. Here's your calendar of events. To kick off special session week, House and Senate Democratic leaders are going to be speaking out, discussing a variety of topics of interest according to a release. Their press conference is starting at 10 this morning. The Florida Department of Environmental Protection and the Florida Recycling Partnership Foundation announces Florida Recycles Week with free webinars starting at 11. A press conference to denounce the special session will also be at 11 on the fourth floor rotunda in the Capitol. The special session gets underway at 1245 with committee meetings throughout the day tackling those bills to fight against vaccine mandates. Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's Sunrise. I'm Tramel Gomes inviting you to always tune in for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture.